0: Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending where you are and what time you're watching this. If you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. I want to say hello and a thank you and a welcome to all of our moderators on all of our platforms that we stream to which include YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. I hope everyone's having a good day uh, so far today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully you could stay with us for the next hour as we talk all things horror. I hope you guys had a chance to tune in to yesterday's interview with uh, Evan, the writer, director, and producer of The Unholy that is being released tomorrow. It was a great interview. Got some great insight from a, a, a guy who has been writing movies, and not just any movies, hit, popular, like blockbuster films for a very, very long time now. And The Unholy, which is being released tomorrow, is his first real dive into horror, and it is his directorial debut. I saw the movie, it is fantastic. It is being, as we found out yesterday, it is being released to theaters only tomorrow here in the United States and in the days to follow in various other countries in the world. I recommend you guys watch it if you don't feel comfortable yet going to movie theaters or if there are no open movie theaters close to you, like my situation, my local movie theater is still closed, it will be coming out on video on demand not too long after the theatrical release. Uh, So either way, whether it's in the theaters or video on demand, make sure you watch The Unholy. And Sony Pictures, who again, I want to thank them for uh, allowing Evan to be on our show yesterday. Uh, They are sending me this Unholy Easter promotional Easter basket. And uh, they're being very cryptic about it. They're sending it to me as a thank you and as part of the promotion for the unholy. And uh, they said when you open it, make sure someone is recording you while you open it. So I'm like, oh man, what the hell is in this thing? So I had a, well, my wife, I got to give credit to this for my wife. I was going to have her record me opening it. But she's like, why don't you just open it up live on the air tomorrow night? i'm like that's a great idea so the basket is coming tomorrow i got the whole ups notification and everything and i am going to open it up live on the air right here tomorrow night and uh, i have no idea what's inside there i really don't so that should be interesting uh to share with you guys and if i jump if i have a real life jump scare moment you guys have seen it before. It'll be nothing new. Wanna welcome some of our viewers. Uh, we have, of course, Khaleesi CC with us on YouTube. Saz is moderating on YouTube as well as as uh sorry as she does Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Marie is moderating on Instagram. We have Philip with us, Lindsay, Mary Islava, riva joining us on facebook annie is also joining us on facebook uh rick grimes uh christopher is joining us on youtube sandra is with us on instagram marie is really excited to see me open that box live on the air username is joining us on instagram Mateus chan everton welcome to all you guys on instagram thank you for being here uh christopher says looking forward to it yeah me too i'm a little nervous but uh, i don't think i'll get a jump scare hopefully they have some good chocolate in there though i love easter chocolate so let's get on with the news the actual first reviews of the film are out okay this is uh one of the first reviews for the movie unholy uh cricket brown who is the co-star in the movie makes a splash in a rare good megaplex nightmare where she plays a deaf mute young woman channeling the spirit of the Virgin Mary or is it a different Mary in small town Massachusetts? The Unholy is a good tight scary commercial theological horror film. That's a mouthful. It spooks and it spooks and demons unfurl within a pop version of Christianity, which which makes it sound no more exotic than last week's Exorcist knockoff or last year's helping of the Conjuring franchise. But the unholy has a religious plot that actually works for it. It stars an unheralded actress named Cricket Brown. Mark my words, she's going to go on to major things. Who plays a deaf-mute young woman named Alice, who has visions of what she thinks is the Virgin Mary. Absorbing Mary's spirit, Alice can suddenly hear and speak, and she can heal the sick, which attract crowds of people to her rural town of Banfield, Massachusetts, The Unholy is adapted from a 1983 James Herbert novel, and as written and directed by Evan Spiliotopoulos, it could almost be a faith-based horror film. We know that the movie can't be all sweetness and light, but but what matters is how solidly it believes in those things. That's what gives its dark side a power. Good and evil face off in every horror movie, but this one is truly a holy war. The central character, apart from Malice, is a defrocked journalist turned tabloid reporter named Jerry Finn, played by none other than Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Negan himself, with a sleazy middle-aged (laughs) panache. I wonder what JD would think of that. A sleazy... Mid, the middle aged part. I wonder how he would react to the middle aged part. He plays a sleazy middle aged panache that makes him a winningly jaded stand in for all of us skeptics in the audience. Fenn has come to Banfield to cover a bogus, sensational story about the mutilation of cows, but he hangs around long enough to see alice standing in front of a spindly dead tree going into a uh, bedific trance out <clears throat> excuse me when she starts to heal people he watches a kid with muscular dystrophy walk away from his wheelchair he realizes he's got a scoop cricket brown who at times evokes the young natalie portman has a melodious voice and features that quiver with life when she is in response. She seems possessed, all right, by the emotion surging around inside her. Her Alice is like Joan of Arc turned into a teenage televangelist who doesn't just swoon for God, she takes command. It's the depth of faith that she conveys in the miracles she's channeling that draws us into the movie. When the forces of Satan show up, you feel like they're violating a daydream. This is the first feature directed by Evan Spiliotopoulos, who has worked as a screenwriter on films like Hercules, The Huntsman, Winter's War, and while he hits conventional beats of Megaplex horror, he's able to mold them with a streamlined coherence and directness. And Evan was our guest last night, and he was fantastic. The tropes may appear standard, the flash cuts of evil, the whispers on the soundtrack, the cloaked specter who keeps showing up to jolt us like Slenderman or Candyman, or a reoccurring ghost out of Insidious 9, Please Don't Go In The Attic. But Spiliotopoulos doesn't assault the audience with supernatural imagery as though he were tossing grisly confetti. There's a poetic restraint to the effects, and I absolutely agree with that. The trouble with too many horror movies is that they muster all the technology and timing and rictus grin in the medicine chest mirror creepiness to basically say, Boo! Watching The Unholy, I jumped a few times, but beyond the scare factor, the film's resurgent demon becomes a true character who reveals her nature in a kind of evil dance of the seven veils. She's as hypnotically possessed as the long black-haired specter in Ringu, and she moves with an ominous herky-jerkiness that evokes the spider walk scene that got restored for the 2000 re-release of The Exorcist. The film's imagery is out of a Christmas Sorry, a Christian nightmare. The stigmata, in this case religious statues with elegant tears of blood. The figure of Mary herself, who within that cloak wears a black mask that marks her as haunted marionette of death. No, she's not that Mary. She's Mary Elnor, a 19th century woman who performed miracles but by channeling not God but Satan. In 1845, she was hung from a tree, the dead one that draws Alice, Alice, a mask nailed into her face, an homage to the chilling prologue of Mario Brava's Black Sunday, and burned alive. Now she comes back, a figment of the devil disguised as the spirit of the Virgin Mary. As she's working through Alice, who believes her vision? Her visions are a force of good. William Sadler, as the saintly-bedoomed Father Hagen, Alice as his niece, quotes Martin Luther summing up the theme of the film, where God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel. And Carrie Elways as Bishop Geyer from the Archdiocese of Boston, sports a Boston accent, That's shaky at first, but always uses it well, turning the bishop into a religious politician. And that's exactly the term that um, Evan used last night for Carrie's character. A religious politician who knows how to exploit the showbiz of a good miracle. He leads a push to make the Church of Bain into a holy shrine like the ones in Lourdes and Fatima. At the climax, when a crowd gathers into a tent to see him host the service of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, you can feel the bad vibes gather as surely as in the prom climax of Carrie. The Unholy doesn't rewrite the book of religious horror. It goes fairly strictly by the book. But it's the rare Contempo horror film that actually has faith in, story, in the story, it's telling. I could not have said it better myself. Uh, spot on review of The Unholy. It was amazing. want to welcome Teresa, who's joining us on Facebook. Uh, Christopher Cunningham on YouTube writes, I can't wait to see the movie. Uh, Khaleesi responds with, it's fantastic. Uh, Christopher says, I have to wait till video on demand. Emmy is also with us on Facebook saying hello. Adriana is joining us on Instagram. Hulk is also with us on Instagram. And after the interview last night, I always, uh, you know, have a few minutes of chat with my guests to say goodbye properly. And, uh, I did tell Evan, you know. I wish that the movie was being simultaneously released to video on demand as well as just in the theaters. Like I said, my local movie theater is closed. So if I did not have access to the movie the way Sony gave it to me, I, like you, Christopher, I would have had to wait till uh, the video on demand release. And this movie is so good and knowing that it's out there and you're not able to see it sucks. Because if you're into horror, and this movie is the subgenre of horror that is right up my alley, this is the subgenre that I most love watching when it comes to horror. So I totally feel your pain, Christopher. So Abbas just joined us on Instagram. Ladies also with us on Instagram as well. Um, so let's move on to the next thing that we have. Actually,. I want to go to this one next Uh, the man who stars in the unholy Jeffrey Dean Morgan in regards to his character as Negan on The Walking Dead Jeffrey Dean Morgan says that The Walking Dead was supposed to continue after season 11 so let's see if he gives us any insight The Walking Dead debuted just another indie comic back in 2002 and nobody could have predicted it would go to spawn a transmedia empire of TV shows, films, yet to come, but will come, video games, movies, board games, novels, theme park rides, and all manner of merchandise. The key to this success is AMC's hit show by the same name, which has been on the air since 2010 and is set to wrap up early in 2022. I thought it was going to be wrapping up at the end of 2022. So, I don't know if they're just making an assumption or what. The network has big plans for the franchise, but fans got a surprise last year when they learned that Season 11 would be the last one for the core show, what I like to call the mother show. They were consoled by the many spin-offs already airing, announced, and teased, though including Fear of the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead World Beyond, the anthology series Tales of the Walking Dead, which I'm really looking forward to the most, Daryl and Carol uh, road trip show, a rumored comedy outing, which I'm really skeptical about, a project with an LGBTQ focus, the program exploring one of The Walking Dead's villains, and of course the movie trilogy with Andrew Lincoln. But a recent interview with star Jeffrey Dean Morgan has revealed that season 11 being the finale came as a shock to everyone, even the showrunners. Speaking with Collider, the Negan actor said, The news when we got it in the middle of the pandemic was a complete surprise, not only to me and the rest of the actors, but to everybody involved in the show from production. Scott Gimple and Angela Kang had no idea either. And you got to remember, Scott Gimple is the head boss of The Walking Dead. I mean, above him is the network, the distributor, AMC. It came uh, from nowhere, and there was such a huge pivot. I think they had Season 11 all mapped out, where they were going to go, and suddenly it became... We also have to close the story in a way. It took everybody by surprise, so it was a massive pivot. And then they threw in the six tacked episodes to season 10. And instead of doing 16, we're going to do 24 more. There was a lot of stuff to wrap our heads around. The mention of the Walking Dead universe head Uh, Scott Gimple and showrunner Angela Kang not seeing this coming is particularly interesting as it hints the decision was made high up at AMC. You think? So what gives? Well, it's possibly that they crunched the numbers and worked out that The Walking Dead is steadily but slowly losing viewers while its stars are getting expensive to keep under contract. And that is very true. If so, it would make sense, sense to jettison some of them and put the most popular characters into their own spinoffs. And guys, like I've said it before, this is all business, okay? Yeah, it's entertainment business. We as fans enjoy kicking back, watching the movies, the TV shows. But to the people, the actors... Uh, Production, everybody involved, uh, studios, distributors. It's at the end of the day, what matters is dollars, money. Even so, it's worrying that the creative leads weren't given any warning that they just have just 24 episodes to satisfyingly end the story, especially as six of those are the 10C outings, quickly assembled under COVID-19 shooting restrictions. Season 11 of The Walking Dead could feel very rushed as they try to tie everything up neatly, and the AMC and AMC would do well to look at the reception of Game of Thrones final run for what could happen if you botched the ending of a hugely loved show. And, you know, you guys know I'm a big game of thrones fans and i know a lot the majority of people hated how game of thrones ended they wanted daenerys and you know Jon snow to take the throne together ruling over westeros and the sun going down them being on the top of the red keep looking at the sunset credits end of story everybody's happy How realistic was that? Especially in the world of Game of Thrones. So let's shift that over to The Walking Dead. We have to be realistic to the way they're going to wrap the mother show up. I have no expectations either way. I'm just going to see where they take season 11. uh, Starting at the end of this year and continuing next year. And wherever they take it, wherever however way they end the mother show, just keep this in mind. You know, Daryl and Carol, they're getting their own spin-off. A lot of spin-offs are coming. So as opposed to the big difference with Game of Thrones, where once the story ended, there were no spin-offs, there were no upcoming movies. There is a Game of Thrones prequel in the work in the works that takes place 300 years before the events of Game of Thrones so that doesn't really count but you know with the walking dead we're getting all these spin-offs the movies so for me yeah it's the final season of the mother show but for me it's not really ending it's just changing paths we're going to get to meet a lot of new and exciting characters I'm really looking forward to season 11. I mean, this thing still has a good, uh, you know, two seasons, well, two years left, broken up into 12 uh, season uh, years. We're going to get 12 episodes in in uh, at the end of this year and another 12 next year. So we still have 24 episodes to go uh, for season 11, and I'm really looking forward to that. Emmy writes, Game of Thrones was one of the best. I loved Game of Thrones. I loved how I watched Game of Thrones. I never watched a single episode while it was airing live on HBO. Uh, me and my wife sat down and we binge watched it like six months to a year after the show ended. So we didn't have to wait any off seasons, you know, left hanging by any cliffhangers. We could watch them at our, At our own leisure, and we got through all eight seasons in just a couple of months. Yeah, it's not like we were binge-watching two or three episodes a night. At most, we would do one episode a night, maybe skip a night here and there. But at the end, it was very, very satisfying. James, I can definitely hear you, James, on Instagram. James is questioning if I read the chats on Instagram. Yes, James, I can hear you. What's up, man? Uh, Martin's also with us on Instagram. Welcome, not Martin, Mateen. Sorry, Mateen. Mateen is with us on Instagram as well. Khaleesi writes, uh, Khaleesi is excited about the prequel. Let's see how it goes. Uh, you know, when it comes to prequels or sequels, people like to use the original as a measuring stick. Doesn't over, doesn't always go over too well. So this has been, uh, this had quite a few headlines. Corin Hardy, uh, conjuring new horror. Every house is haunted. That's the title. It's a, it's a title that's coming to Netflix. It's called every house is haunted. Proven horror filmmaker and expert pumpkin carver, Corin Hardy is back in the scare game for a new movie. He's attached to make Every House is Haunted, which Netflix has now bought. Jason Pagan, Andrew Doshman wrote the script, which is partly based on Ian Rogers' short story, The House on Ashley Avenue, part of a collection called uh, Every House is Haunted. The plot focuses on an insurance investigator trying to debunk claims that the couple's death was caused by a haunted house, but having his doubts challenged by a psychic and the mystery occurrences he witnesses with his own eyes. This springs from Sam Raimi, and Sam Raimi is the executive producer of The Unholy, and Zainab Aziz Ramey's production and producer, Roy Lee. The producing partners shopped the project around Hollywood, and Netflix jumped at the chance to make it. And that's it. <laughs> uh, it's just a little blip and a headline, like I said. I saw a lot of different headlines with this, but apparently there's not much more news than that. But this, uh, this uh, haunted house horror movie which you guys know paranormal is my favorite uh, subgenre is something I'll definitely keep an eye out uh when it does hit Netflix this was just announced so they haven't even started any kind of filming yet so it's going to be a little while uh Lindsay writes I did that as well with Game of Thrones Okay today's April 1st which means it's April Fools Day Blumhouse releases an April Fool's trailer for a horror film titled El Chuca, El Chupacabras. So, it's April Fool's Day and Blumhouse has dropped a fun April Fool's trailer for a horror film titled El Chupacabras. Chuc- Why am I having such a hard time pronouncing this? Chupacabras. They say the fake movie comes from Mexican filmmaker Isa Lopez from Tiger Are Not Afraid, and it gives us a new take on the Mexican legend of the Chupacabra. The brief notes for the movie reads, Hidden for years and no longer a myth, El Chupacabra exists. Will you be able to outrun him? A first look at director Isa's Lopez new Blumhouse film, El Chupacabra, is coming this spring. You know what's funny is that even though this is an April Fool's joke and the movie is not real, it actually looks like it might make for a great horror movie. I would totally watch it, says the writer. So let's go ahead and check out what this whole April Fool's trailer is about. No votó nada más los sacrifican para rituales diabólicos. Oh, to be Jason Blum and have the money to pull that kind of a joke off. I would love to do something like that. But I agree with the writer of that article. That looks really, really good. And I think somebody should make a film about it. I think that would be awesome. Uh, So anyway, uh, Andrew is with us on Instagram. Welcome, Andrew. How you been, man? Moving on. Now, Stephen Yen, our Glenn. Jordan Pele cast Miniari Stephen Yen in a new horror movie. Uh, Yen is definitely continuing... You know, now that time has passed, uh, Stephen Yen leaving The Walking Dead was probably the best thing that ever happened in his career. Of course, The Walking Dead brought him to all of our attention. We loved him as Glenn. But his career is really skyrocketing and it is so well-deserved and I'm so happy for him that he's showing up, he's getting nominations for awards and the whole nine yards, but him, you know, leaving The Walking Dead w- career-wise was probably one of the best things that could have happened to him. So Stephen Yen's uh, fellow Oscar nominee, Daniel Kaluuya, remains in negotiations for the other male lead. Hot off an Oscar nomination for Minari, Steven Yen is in talks to join Keke Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya in Jordan Pele's new horror movie, which is heating up at Universal. Deadline broke the news, reporting that Yen's fellow Oscar nominee, Kaluuya, remains in negotiations for the other lead in the movie. And I imagine the deal won't close until after the Oscars, since Kaluuya is the front runner to win Best Supporting Actor for his turn in Judas and the Black Messiah. For a little gold man uh, would likely boost his salary. And that's just very you know, business smarts on his end. Plot details remain under wraps for the genre film, though rumor has it that Kaluuya and Palmer would be playing siblings. I have not confirmed that on my own. However, it does seem like Pele will be casting a Korean-American family around Yen. and seeing as how family played a major part in both Get Out and Us, I'm very curious to see how it plays into things this time around. Those two films, by the way, earned a half a billion dollars worldwide. In addition to writing and directing the untitled film, Pelé is producing alongside Ian Cooper via his Monkey Paw Productions banner, which has an exclusive five-year deal with Universal. Studio execs Sarah Scott and Tony Ducret will oversee the project on behalf of Universal, which will release Pelé's next movie on July 22, 2022. Yen has proven himself as a leading man over the course of his career, culminating with an Oscar nomination last month for his performance in Minari. Yet, current voices, sorry, Yen currently voices the titular role in Amazon's animated superhero series Invincible, which is getting rave reviews, by the way. And Netflix recently acquired a road rage dramata, dra, dramata, yeah, that's what they're saying, a dramedy, dramedy, uh, titled Beef, that Yen will star in alongside Ali Wong. The Walking Dead alum previously worked with Pele on the Twilight Zone reboot, and he has already wrapped A24's drama The Humans, which pairs him with Richard Jenkins, Beanie Feldstein, and Amy Schumer. Yen's recent credits include the acclaimed films Burning and sorry to bother you which served to highlight the diversity of the projects he chooses and the range of characters he can play pele has long lobbied for studios to be more inclusive with their casting efforts and with three leads of color now in place his la- his latest effort is already off to a promising start and you know you guys have to admit you have to be happy for Stephen Yen. His career is really skyrocketing and we love and miss Glenn on The Walking Dead, but for Stephen Yen and you know just him as a person and his career, you really got to be really happy for the guy and just how everything is falling into place for him, the Oscar nomination, He's one of the hottest items in Hollywood right now. Uh, So many different studios, production companies want to cast him in their movies. So I am personally very happy for Steven. And I'm ecstatic that his career is just really taking off. And it started with him being on The Walking Dead. And he gave The Walking Dead uh, six full seasons i mean he was a frontline character that we all loved and we were all devastated when uh you know he was killed off the show in season seven but everything happens for a reason and his career is taken off same thing for michael Cudlitz. i mean his career has been taken off for a while now he's a huge star he's now in clarice which is one of my favorite shows On television i think we're getting a new episode tonight which i'm really looking forward to watching after tonight's after tonight's show of dead talk live so yeah you know they both were great abraham and glenn on the walking dead but moving on and after the walking dead their careers are stronger than ever so i mean that's awesome for them uh Lindsay writes, sorry Lindsay Sparks writes go Stephen Yen. Christopher, I am happy for him too. Everybody's happy for him. I know I'm definitely am. Things heard and seen. Netflix releases trailer for Amanda Seyfried horror film. Okay, without reading anything about this, let's check out this trailer. Hey. Wait. I think I've found the perfect house for us. You thought this through? George really wants this. I owe it to him to at least try. You know, when I saw this place, I knew immediately it was for us. There's definitely updating that needs to be done here. Yeah, certainly could use a paint job. Yeah, but look at these bones. <laughs> I love it so <laughs> much. You're an exceptional husband. Then you are an exceptional wife. It always starts like falling boat. I'm new in town and I would love to learn more about the older homes in the area. I don't know anybody up here. Well, you do now. My wife doesn't know what happened here. I think it would be better if we kept it that way. Everything in the natural world has a counterpart in the spiritual realm. Also oh, inconsequential. I say death is only the beginning. My wife is the true believer of the family. You do not want to get us started on all that stuff. things and i'm scared to tell george about it you're coming in shut the door behind you what do you want i told george the whole story i need to know what happened Khaleesi it looks really good and it's coming out this month on Netflix Uh, I am really looking forward to that Uh, that that was a kick ass trailer Uh, the month of April is pretty stacked when it comes to original titles on Netflix and there's seemingly something for everyone on the slate this month from animated family films like the Mitchells versus the Machines to Expansive Fantasy shows like Show, Shadow and Bone. Nearly all genre are covered with an upcoming original. For horror fans, the film to pay attention to is the new thriller named Things Heard and Seen, starring Amanda Seyfried. The film doesn't debut um, on Netflix until April 29th. Alright, we gotta wait, you know, four weeks, but that's fine. But the streaming service released the first trailer... For the movie on Thursday morning, the trailer sets up a chilling story in which Seyfried's character is haunted by the darkness of her marriage as well as the history of her unsettling new home. You can watch the full trailer, which we just did. Things Heard and Seen is written and directed by Shari Springer, Berman, and Robert Pulsini. Based on the novel, All Things uh, Cease to Appear. By Elizabeth Brundage. The film is produced by Anthony Bregman, Stephanie Aspazu, Peter Cron, and Julie Cohen. Berman, Pellucci, uh, Pastorelli, and Stephen Lipross serve as executive producers. So, that looks very interesting. Uh, Catherine Clare uh, reluctantly trades la- life in 1980s Manhattan for a remote home in the tiny hamlet of Chosen, New York. Is that what the town is called? Chosen, New York? After her husband George, played by James Norton, lands a job teaching art history at the small Hudson Valley College. As she does her best to transform the old dairy farm into a place where young daughter Franny will be happy, Catherine increasingly finds herself isolated and alone. She soon comes to her sense, a sinister darkness lurking in both the walls of the ramshackle property and in her marriage to George. Based on the acclaimed novel by Elizabeth Brundage, Things Heard and Seen is written and directed by Academy Award-nominated filmmakers Robert Pulsini and Shari Springer-Berman, also starring Natalie Dreyer from Stranger Things, Rhea Seehorn, Better Call Sal, Karen Allen, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Academy Award winner F. Murray Abraham from Amadeus. What do you think of the trailer? I, I personally loved it. Uh, uh, Julia wants to know, did I see the new episode of The Walking Dead? No. I have not. And this, as you all know, this one that got released today at AMC, on AMC Plus is the last of the six bonus episodes called Here's Negan. This is the one that I've been waiting for. I don't know if I'm going to watch it tonight or tomorrow. So we'll see how things go. I do want to watch Clarice as well. So I don't know. I'll watch one of the two or both of them. But it's going to be either tonight or tomorrow that I'll watch uh, Here's Negan. And then after that, we have to wait till the end of the year for more Walking Dead episodes. But a week from this Sunday, we get the premiere of the second half of season six of Fear the Walking Dead. I'm very jazzed about that. So what else do we have? Neil Blumkamp's secret horror movie gets a synopsis and 2021 release date. Just looking at the time. Demonic, and we've read about this movie before, sounds like it will be a big leap for the director. District 9 director Neil Blumkamp's secret horror film Demonic has found at home at IFC Midnight. With this acquisition, Blumkamp's next feature has secured an official release date of August 20th, 2021. And we are finally learning some major casting and synopsis uh, details as well. On the casting point, IFC Midnight has revealed the demonic cast includes uh, Carly Pope from Elsium, Chris William Martin, The Age of Adeline, and Michael Rogers from The Blacklist. Additionally, we know the official synopsis for demonic, which reads, In demonic... A young woman unleashes terrifying demons when supernatural forces uh, at the roof of a decades-old rift between mother and daughter are ruthlessly revealed in this horror thriller from director Neil Blumkamp. On the U.S. acquisition of demonic IFC Films, President uh, Ariana Boko said, Neil Blumkamp exploded into onto the filmmaking scene with District 9 and has made his mark by creating films that challenge and subvert the genre. It's exciting to work together on this highly anticipated new version and be immersed in yet another world terrifyingly similar to our own. And I may be wrong about this, but I think IFC... I know IFC is owned by AMC. I don't know if IFC Midnight is a separate company or not. It's confusing to stay up with parent companies and the sub-companies that they own. Uh, so, ma- so many mergers over the last decade or so. As we, re- we reported back in December 2020, Blumpcamp finished demonic in British Columbia during the summer. Demonic was made with the help of AGC Studios. Additionally, in keeping with the creative vision of Blumkamp's previous features, Demonic will feature strong sci fi, supernatural, and VFX elements. Uh, For now, Blumkamp plans to shoot Inferno with star Taylor Kitsch and also still on the books, but still face COVID related delays. So, there you guys have it. Demonic will be released by IFC Midnight on August 20th. Stay tuned for the trailer for Demonic, which should be coming soon, now that it finally has a home and a release date set. So, I want to ask you guys this question, you know. I want to see, because it is kind of confusing. If you watched any kind of movie in the last 10, 15 years... You notice at the start of every movie, you see a good at least three to five production company logos, okay? Now, most people just ignore it. They're like, whatever, get through this crap and let's start the movie. But it's really interesting uh, how it all falls into place. And, you know, over this last year, I've learned so much in how stuff works in regards to filmmaking with all the wonderful interviews we've done and so on. But every one of those uh, logos that you see at the beginning of every film, and there are quite a few of them, the logos are becoming just as long as the uh, previews. When we used to go to the movie theater and we had to sit through the previews, which I personally love watching previews. But anyway, it's all different production companies that had a hand in uh, producing the movie that you're about to watch. Let's take uh, The the Unholy, which is the main parent company for The Unholy that's being released tomorrow is Sony Pictures or Sony Gems as what it's called. Now, when you sit down and whenever you get to watch The Unholy, you're not going to see sony's name in the beginning parts of the credits it's all the sub companies below that sony is the main distributor you know the production companies produce make put together the film there's normally a lot more than just one that's why you have all the different uh, logos in the beginning of every movie but there is usually one big distributor okay in the case of The Unholy, it's Sony, Sony Pictures. They, you know, they purchased the movie, they financed it, the production companies put it together, uh, various different parts of the movie, whatever, they all get credit for it in the beginning of the movie. And I don't know if you guys care or not, but I just think it's fascinating to actually understand how all that works and fits in together. So, anyway... Uh, want to welcome Anna, who's with us on Instagram. Lindsay writes, I love watching previews as well. I think it's great. I love previews. It's been a long time since I've been to a movie theater, but I I definitely am not the kind of person that will go in late, you know, just to purposely avoid watching the trailers. If I miss the trailers, I feel like I miss part of the movie itself. So, in the time that we have left, guys we are going to talk about uh, uh, today's topic, which is about uh, freaky clowns, killer clowns, whichever way you want to name them. We're talking about some really twisted, demented clowns. And, you know, a person, a clown, and I hate calling him a clown, but the Joker, you know? When it comes to deranged clowns, uh, yeah, of course, we have uh, Pennywise from It and all that. True clowns. But how many of you guys out there actually consider the Joker to be in the clown category? I mean, yeah, he has the makeup, the white paint on his face, the, the big red, you know, lips over his mouth, the green hair. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I think he fits all of the criteria of being called the clown he's a pure psychopath uh but you know my favorite villain i would say without a doubt my favorite uh comic book villain and whether it's dc marvel or whatever you name it the joker for me is the best but i'm a big fan of the batman so that probably explains that but so let's proceed on with some of the uh freakiest of clowns that we have seen in horror. Of course, Pennywise uh, considers its real name to be Bob Gray, with Pennywise being its favorite form. Uh, some other little notes, it has an existential war against the turtle, the, mat- the Maturin, which created the universe. Pennywise viewed the kids with a sense of respect, but clearly is inferior to its greater being. Uh, this is from the movie It, from the movie "It, by the way. His appearance in the 2017 adaptation of it was more closely inspired by his outfit in the book, which described his clown outfit as being silver with red pom-poms, slightly different from the 1990 version. Now, the original horror clown, Pogo. Even if you've never seen Pogo, you guys must have heard of Pogo. Pogo the Clown was a party clown persona of John Wayne Gacy, the notorious real-life serial killer. Gacy was named after actor John Wayne, whom his parents were huge fans of. His uh, victims numbered well over 33 individuals. Gacy's makeup and name were inspiration for Todd Phillips' Joker movie. Pogo, Pogo was the name of the Gotham City Comedy Club and the Joker wearing makeup nearly identical to what Gacy had on. Despite these influences, numerous films have actually explored Casey's story. Now, next on the list, Captain Spaulding. All right, from Rob Zombie's uh, Devil Rejects House of, House of a Thousand Corpses, the trilogy. Spaulding is a violent serial killer inspired in large part by Jim Sido's Drayton Sawyer. The exact number of his victims is not clear since his crime spree has lasted for decades. Uh, for those of you guys that have watched the uh the zombie movies the devil the devil's rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, and so on uh captain Spaulding, uh in my opinion, if you were to ask me, that dude has probably been killing since his early teens, so who knows how many victims he has under his belt, despite being the head of the of the uh, firefly family. He's never seen living with the rest of the family. You never see him at home in House of a Thousand Corpses. And he lives in an apartment far from the Firefly home that we see in the movie The Devil's Rejects. For those of you guys that have seen it out of the trilogy, which is your favorite? Uh, I loved House of a Thousand Corpses, but for me The Devil's Rejects is probably my favorite. I don't know which is your guys' favorite. Um, He died early in Rob Zombie's uh, Three from from Hell because Sid Haig was in poor health and could only film so much. So the actor who played him was not doing so well, so they killed off the character uh, pretty early on in the third movie. Other famous fictional evil clowns who are scary as hell, Coming from the world of Todd McFarlane's spawn, The Violator was a perverted and demonic clown appearing in the 1998 feature film played by John Leguizamo. Twisty the Clown from American Horror Story. Y'all remember Twisty. But what is even scarier to note is that the actor who played Twisty, John Carroll Lynch, also appeared as Arthur Lay Allen, in david fincher's zodiac making him by default one of the creepiest clowns after all who can top the zodiac right adam mcintyre from dead rising's video game once he hits the zombie apocalypse he goes insane and becomes a mass murderer in the mall dual wielding chainsaws in clown makeup again makes him scary as hell uh Khaleesi, you have never seen any of the zombie films, The Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, you got to put that on your list. I mean, that is just awesomeness right there. Uh, Okay, continuing on. The Clown Doll from Poltergeist. Dude, that doll scared the shit out of me. And to this day, whenever I watch The Poltergeist seeing that doll is probably one of the creepiest things in the movie Uh, it might as well be made out of nightmares it's crazy and the scene where it pulls uh the boy under the bed pure terror right there uh even though it's an inanimate object it's just a doll that is possessed i guess is the best way to put it you i would easily put it as one of the scariest characters that we have seen in horror movies he's that clown has to be somewhere on that list so i did have a video queued up that goes through some of the uh top 10 scariest clowns that we have seen throughout the decades in horror but we are out of time so we're not going to have a chance to get to it uh tomorrow is friday So, I will be back on the air again tomorrow. Uh, Please visit our website, deadtalklive.com. Tuesday, next coming Tuesday, uh, we are going... Let me just find it real quick uh, to make sure I have the date correct. But, uh, yeah, Tuesday, we are going to have an actor, Morgan David Jones... Who's been in quite a few stuff, including Supernatural, and he's also in the upcoming Spiral movie. Uh, he doesn't have a big role in the upcoming Spiral movie, but he is in it. Morgan is going to be joining us on Tuesday. As uh, it's going to be a view, it's going to be like an interview like we've never done before on Dead Talk Live. It's going to be like the way I do my solo shows with the viewer interaction, but with a celebrity special guest and we're going to be both here together talking about horror answering your guys's questions through the chats it's going to be really fun don't miss uh tuesday's episode morgan david jones is going to be our special guest and it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to talk horror what are some of his favorite horror movies sub horror genres that he enjoys what's it like Filming a horror movie, what's it like just being an actor in general, give you guys some behind the scenes on how the whole process works, from auditioning, being cast, to filming, to post-production, to promotion of a film. So that's all coming up on Tuesday, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You're not going to want to miss it. So I want everybody to stay safe. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. Please don't forget to visit us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Just search for the name Dead Talk Live. Uh, You can find all of our episodes on all of those social platforms. It's been a treat and an honor as always. I'll be seeing you tomorrow night. And until then, remember, stay walking, guys. Good night.